0: Good morning, how's everybody doing? Yeah, good to see you all. Um, I just want to give a shout out to my family's sitting all under the easy upstairs. so I'm so grateful that they came. And my buddy Jim also drove up from L.A. to come out this morning. Uh, so I just wanted to start with the scripture, and it's from Psalm 100. And it says, for the joy, sorry, shout out for joy. To the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. We enter the gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Uh, Let's just open in prayer as we get started. Father, I just want to thank you this morning for bringing us all here together. I pray that as we go through this sermon that your spirit would be with us and that you would speak to us in a different way. I pray that we would be enlightened this morning. I pray that you would use my lips, and I pray that each heart is touched this morning. Amen. So this morning I've been asked to speak about worship, and um, so I just want to give you a brief history of how I started. I grew up in Zimbabwe, for most people who don't know. Uh, I got involved in my church when I was about 15. Uh, a youth group came over to Zimbabwe, to St. Joseph's, to the orphanage, and um, that's how my journey with worship started. I saw young guys my age playing instruments, and I wanted to do that. And uh, eventually I got involved in my church back home, called Celebration Church and I started leading worship and I became really passionate about it and hence I've uh, been leading worship at church uh, since I was a teenager and it's been quite an amazing ride. And so I just wanted to give you sort of a few things that I've learned over the years and hopefully this helps somebody out this morning. Um, when I was growing up we always heard uh, Our pastor always say to us, there's two times to worship God when you feel like it and when you don't. How many of us sometimes come to church really fired up and we're like, yeah, I'm ready to praise God. And then some Sundays you feel like completely deflated and all you want to do is sit down. But that passion that you have when you feel like it is exactly the same passion that you should have. Uh, so as I was going through and preparing, I wanted to find out what the definition of praise was. And the definition of praise is to express warm approval or admiration. Or another uh, text says to, com- to commend, to applaud, to express personal of personal worth or actions. And the definition of worship is the feeling of expression of reverence, adoration for a deity, for God. And so this morning, I'm going to go through seven Hebrew words that I learned when I was growing up. Uh, I know Afri- in Africa, most Africans are known for being a very vibrant people. And, you know, when you come to Africa, you when you get a church, everybody's bouncing off the walls and doing somersaults and skipping, but still we had to be taught. Uh, Sometimes you can go to church and just have no idea what you're doing. And so the first word I'm going to teach you is called yada. And the meaning of that is to uh, hold out the hand physically, to throw away, to throw at or away, especially to revere or to worship, to extend hands out, to praise, to give thanks. So in your cars, let me just see everybody. Just put their hands up and wait. So when you do that, it's called Yada. So that's what we do when we're lifting our hands up. Uh, and the scripture that says that is from Psalm forty-five seventeen, and it says, "The people shall praise Yada you forever." And so that's what we do when people say, "Raise your hands." It's not just some cool thing that we're saying to do, but it actually has some significance. The next one is called Tatauda, and the defin- definition of that is to extend the hand by implication, usually towards adoration, specifically a choir, worshipers, a sacrifice of praise, thanksgiving. So when we extend our hands like this That is Tatauda. So some of us really love it, and I see some people when they're really into it, they lift their hands and they got their eyes closed, and that's Tatauda. You know, the Bible says, you know, I will offer him, A sacrifice of praise. And we don't just offer the Lord lip service, but we give Him. There's an obedience when you give of your body, when you do things that are uncomfortable for you. You lift your hands. Sometimes it's probably something you didn't grow up doing. You're not used to, but you lift your hands up and you give God praise. The next word, sorry. And then the verse for that will be from Psalm 100, verse 4. And it says, Enter His gates with touda and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him bless his name the next word is called shabak and shabak is to address in a loud tone that is specifically fervent and and is commend and is accompanied by by praises and shouts and triumph and the scripture for that is Psalm 145 verse 4 one generation shall shabak your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts. So shabak is to address with a loud tone. So in your car, let me hear everybody scream. Just kind of, you know, there <laughs> you know, oh ha, whichever one. That's Jim. <laughs> um, and the next one is called Ruah. The definition of that is to shout in triumph over enemies, to shout a war cry or an alarm of battle. Raise a, raise a shout, cry out, give a blast. Joshua 6.20 says, So the people, Ruah, The priest blew the trumpets, and when the people heard the shout of the trumpet, the people shouted with great great shouts, and the walls fell down flat. So that the people went up into the city, every man straight ahead, and they took the city. You know, like I said earlier, there's two times to praise God when you feel like it and when you don't. And sometimes it's in those moments when you're feeling completely tired or when you're feeling completely sapped of energy. When you feel like you don't want to do it, that's when it actually really counts. You know, I'm sure some of us, uh, all of us here have a significant other that we love. And sometimes it's quite difficult to love those people. But we do it. And we show our love even in those hard moments because it's when it counts. It's when people are at their lowest point when it really counts. And even when we don't feel like it, that's when it really counts. The same thing applies when you come into church and you come to praise and you come to worship. And sometimes you have, you're you like, I have, you have no idea what's happening at my house. My family's under siege. My kids are all over the place. My life is in ruins. I just don't feel like at this point in my life that I need to praise. And it's in those moments when you really surrender and say, I don't feel like it, but I'm going to give God all the praise anyway. Can I get an amen from somebody out there? (laughs) I always wanted to say that. (laughs) Uh, Number four is called Zama. And the the definition of this is to touch the strings or parts of musical instruments to play upon it, to make music accompanied by the voice, hence to celebrate in song and in music, give praise, sing forth in psalms. And so usually some minds, like in those moments when we worship when when there's no more singing and it's just the band playing. And in that moment you get to instead of singing the songs that are up on the board or that are in the pamphlet, that's a moment when you get to express and open up your heart to God and tell Him what it is you're feeling and tell Him what it is you're grateful for, all the, all the trials that you're going through, but all the things that you're grateful for. In that moment when the Zamar, when the music is just going, that's when... We open up. That's when we tauda. That's when sometimes we even shabak. Sometimes we even yada in those moments when it's quiet, when it's still, when the band is playing and there's no singing. So zama usually has to do with just like it's usually in, in other terms, people would call it a musical interlude, but here we call it Zamar. And the scripture for that comes from Psalm 147, verse 1 to 7. And it says, it is a good thing to zamar." unto god sings a ma on the harp and unto our god number 5 is barak the definition is to kneel to bless god to kneel to bow down in act of adoration vice versa as a man kneel down praise salute thank you the scripture for that is psalm 34 verse 1 i will barak the lord at all times his praise shall continually be in my mouth. And I think also this is a, an uncountable thing because sometimes you get that unction, that, that, that need to want to kneel down when you're like in worship, but you're so worried like, what are people going to think? What are people going to say? But when God prompts your heart and when God speaks to you in those moments, that's when, when you don't feel like it, when you feel like, oh, it's not in my culture. I always say this once, and and when I'm leading worship, I say, we don't have a Zimbabwean culture. We don't have an American culture. We have kingdom culture. What does the Bible say? That's the culture that we follow. Because sometimes culture comes in the way of what God has in store for us. So this morning, if there's something that you take away, it's like, what culture am I trying to follow? Because the cultures that have been set up have been set up by the world in the world. But well, we follow kingdom culture. Amen? Nice. <laughs> Number six is tahila, And the definition for that, praise, a song of spontaneity, to celebrate with song, to halal, a hymn, to sing in the spirit, to praise God. So to, so tehillah, dwell in our praise, it means, you know, those moments when we say, come on, somebody sing a new song when we're worshiping. And you begin to sing that new song. Oh, Lord, we thank you. We are so grateful for your goodness. Oh, we are amazed by your beauty. You know, that's in that moment when you don't know what else to say, but you sing a new song, you open up your spirit, and you sing what's on your heart. And that's what tahila means. God dwell in our praise and to sing a new song. And the last word is to halal. And the definition of that, to be clear original sound usually of color to shine hence to make a show to boast to be foolish to wave to celebrate to look to to look a fool how many of us have been at sports games when our team wins and we just go absolutely berserk i mean you lose your mind i mean I've seen people do cartwheels. I've seen people scream, you know, high-five the people next to them, sometimes run them over. They're just so overcome by excitement. And sometimes, uh, or most times, that excitement doesn't spill back into the church because culture has told us that, no, we don't do that in church. We don't lift our hands in church. We don't sing in church. We don't bow in church. We don't shout in church. That's what culture has taught us. I didn't grow up like this. But the Bible says something else. David danced like a bull before the Lord. I'm sure we've all heard that. And so sometimes you have to completely let go of yourself. Let go of your culture let go of everything that's telling you that this is not what you're supposed to do, because in these times that we're living in, you know, and this verse comes from, from John 4:23, and it says, "Yet a time is coming, and now and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they're the kind of worshipers the Father seeks." So what worshiper are you going to be like in this age as all of us are witnessing the world change before our eyes? Even after the pandemic has long gone, the world we know is very different and will be very different. It has transformed and it's going to keep transforming. So are you going to be one of those guys who sort of sits by the sideline and watches as everything change? Are you going to be one of those worshippers that steps forward and doesn't really care about what the world thinks, but you're going to go forward with what God has for you because all of us here this morning belong to the Father, and all of us here are of the kingdom culture. Amen? I'm going to invite Alex up to come and uh, take the second half of this.
1: Everybody give it up for taps one more time. Um I I feel like it's beautiful when we get to truly understand and and listen to what those words mean in the original language. Um and I'm super excited to kind of just wrap this our our message of worship up together this morning. Um a little bit about me if you haven't met me, my name is Alex and uh I started with Sanctuary in in January. And uh and I've loved being a part of what we're doing here at Sanctuary as well as um, in this pandemic, I've really felt like um, Sanctuary has blessed me um, in, in just the way that they've welcomed me and and they've be- become my family. So I'm excited this morning to just tell you a little bit about me and then a little bit about why we worship and what happens when we worship. So just quickly, my background, I'm actually a fourth generation in ministry. So my great grandfather was planning churches and, uh, and my grandmother, uh, was a Spanish speaking, uh, pastor and she was, um, she has parks named after her in South America. And, and then my, my parents were actually evangelists for 18 years on the road. My dad was a worship pastor. My mom would, uh, she would, Run sound for him, and and as my dad would speak and lead worship, and and so I, I come from a long line of people who love the Lord, um, and so this morning uh, I I just wanted to tell you a little bit about what that what that means to me, but also what worship means to me, and so. Uh, as As I started growing up i became I became part of different worship bands and when I was in high school, I started even leading in the the main service at my church and so i i 've been deeply a part of of the church culture and then I really felt a calling on my life to go into ministry to to go into worship ministry and uh and so I pursued that and uh, I got a, a bachelor's degree in music and worship from Azusa Pacific. And now, praise God, I'm, I'm 11 weeks away from finishing my master's uh, in, in worship arts. So I'm really excited about that. So that's kind of a little bit about me. But this morning I wanted to talk to you a little bit about what happens when we worship. And Taps kind of set it up really well. He gave us these beautiful pictures from the original language of kind of what the, the different words and the different postures of worship, right? The, the ways that we can bow down, the ways that we can make a fool of ourselves in worship. And, and I don't know about you, but when, when I was growing up, um, and I feel like this is true for all of us, is Christmas morning is a huge deal. Christmas morning when, when we know that Santa has brought the presents uh, and, uh, <laughs> and, and we're about ready to, to open them, man, there's such excitement in that. And as I've grown o- older, I feel like, man, I, I remember that time of when I was, when I was a, a, a young child and I was so excited to open those presents. And I think, man, I, I, I wish I could have that again. But then Christmas comes, Christmas morning comes, and man, there's that feeling again. There's that excitement. There's that. There's that joy. And so, what I kind of wanted to talk to you uh, this morning about is, man, I, I I wish I could take us in a Back to the Future DeLorean, and I wish I could take us all the way back in time, and uh, and and I wish I could take us back to the early church when when we're talking like in Acts, when when the early church was that the believers were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayer, and to praising God. I wish I could take us back there. And I wish that we could sit there, sit in, in the, their service, or, or whatever the, you want to call it, the, the, this time of worship that they were having. I wish we could sit there because I have a feeling that it would completely change our lives. I have a feeling that we would sit in this service of worship and be awestruck at the way that there is so much intimacy with the Lord, that they are, they are praising and worshiping with freedom, that they feel like they can bow down, that they can dance, that they feel like, man, they are so free and they feel the awesomeness of who God is and the greatness of who he is and they're praising him. I have a feeling that it would change our lives. And so a lot of the times just like Christmas morning we go man I I I wish we could have that feeling again. But I believe that we can. I believe that this is not something that we just have to chase after and say, well, maybe if maybe if I was at a different church or maybe if it was back closer to when Jesus lived, maybe that that could be part of of what where that feeling comes from, but I believe that we can have that same intimacy, that, that same understanding of worship, that same freedom. And so um, I just wanted to speak a little bit on uh, what, as we talked about what is worship. You know, true worship is a matter of, of the heart. True worship comes from your heart it has to be felt. It can't be ritualistic. It can't just be something that you kind of come on a Sunday morning and that's kind of just, uh, you know, we're, we're going to sing the song. But true worship can't be external. It can't be just going through the m- emotions. True worship comes from your heart. It's, it's a heartfelt expression of love, a- 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 uh, adoration, admiration, fascination, wonder, and even celebration. It's something that happens in your heart and soul when you begin to praise God and thank him for what he has done. And so we wonder, well, why, is, why is worshiping God so important? And I, I, I want to take you through kind of what Taps was saying earlier is, is the fact that everyone worships, Right? We all worship something. I know some of you get at your sports games or you're screaming at the TV during the Super Bowl. And there is just like when you're rooting for the, the best team in the NBA, the Lakers. Huh? Anybody? Um, <laughs> when, you are, when you are so excited to, to root for them, you're worshiping. And and it's interesting to think about because you even look at some teenagers at a concert and you're going well that's not that's not real music what they're listening to. <laughs> my dad my dad always used to say whenever I used to lis- listen to like hip hop he'd say that's not real music. But you you see those teenagers and you see them them like going crazy at a concert. But they're in, what they're doing is they are they are worshiping something. And so. We worship food, we worship sports, arts, music. We worship comfort, control, power, relationships. But God calls us to worship him. And, and, and what's amazing is, is that he commands it, he desires it, he pursues it, he deserves it. And God is a God who will reward your worship. He will reward the way that you worship For God bestows His provision, grace, sovereignty, and power on those who worship Him in spirit and truth. And so, what happens when we worship? And this church is kind of what it's all about, is, is understanding what happens when we worship. So I want to, if you have your Bibles this morning or what I've liked to call them in our young adults is I call them the swibles, your swipable Bible. So if you have your phone, if you got your Bible on you, I want you to turn to Isaiah 6 really quickly. So in Isaiah 6 verse 1, um, it says this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory." At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Things begin to happen when we say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The the whole earth begins to shake and to tremble. And so I've got three things that I want you to write down if you're taking notes this morning. Three things that happens when we worship. The first one is this. Worship brings an upward look. So when we worship, we begin to look upward, and that means that we get to see God on his throne. We get to see him in all of his glory. When we worship, it refocuses our view on God. And this morning, I kind of want you to think of it this way. What if uh, Pastor Rod put out a video on Facebook and said, hey, this week at Sanctuary Church, this weekend only, we have a special guest. He's really awesome. You might have heard of him. His name is God, uh, and he's coming, and he's actually going to, we're going to put a throne on the stage, and he's going to come, he's going to sit on this throne, and and we're going to just do our service like normal. How many of you know that you would not be worshiping the way that you're worshiping right now? You would, oh, I had, man, I I had a professor who brought this idea up to me of of bringing Jesus up on stage. What if we literally had him here? What would change? Would the way that you worship change? Would the things that you say change? Would the way that you're honking at somebody in the parking lot to get out change? I believe that it would. I know for me, man, but, but what's the difference between the fact that if he's physically here versus the fact that he is here, we are worshiping him. He is here with us. He is on stage. He is all around us. He's inside of us. He's in our hearts. So why then do we not think of our worship in that same way? Because I don't know about you, but man, I would be dancing before the Lord like crazy. But a lot of the times we, we don't think of worship as an upward look and, and we kind of just get complacent. We come to church, we're coming to church again. We just come through church because that's, that's what we do. That's how, that's how we're, you know, we're just getting our little, our little church in for the week so that we're good and we, we feel good and there's a, there's a great message. But, but we don't realize that we are coming to worship the true king. We are coming to worship the God on high who has created us. So the first thing that happens is worship brings that upward look. It begins, it, it, it starts to help us begin to realize who God is and, and notice his glory and who he is. And then the second thing is that worship brings an inward look. So first it's, it's, it's upward and then it's inward Worship brings this upward look. If we go back to Isaiah in, in Isaiah 6, we go to verse 5. She says, Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live upon among people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew, flew to me with a live coal in his hand, and he had taken with tongs from the altar. When it touched my, with it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. See, when you begin to have an upward look and you see God for who he really is, just as Isaiah did, you start to see for yourself who you really are. You start seeing things in your heart and in your, in your life that really didn't bother you before, but when you begin to have an upward look, then you have to have an inward look at yourself, at who you are. And you notice that after Isaiah saw and confessed his sinfulness, he also experienced the mercy, grace, and forgiveness of God. That's what happens when you truly worship. But worship doesn't end there. So here we have in in verse 8, it says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. So it starts with an upward look. It, it, It travels to an inward look at ourselves. And then the last thing this morning is that worship always leads to an outward look. Worship always leads to a personal response or an action, a desire to be obedient to whatever God calls you to do. Genuine worship isn't just singing songs. And getting a good feeling in your heart, genuine worship is seeing God for who he really is. His power, his greatness, his might, his compassion. And we see that for who God is and then we give him back what he's worth. The best of your time, your talents, your thoughts, your words and your deeds, true worship is seeing the tremendous worth of God and in response, giving him the best of everything that you have. So as I end and the band can come back up, I want us to, to think about the way that we would genuinely worship if we said, hey, special guest, God is sitting on our throne that we have brought out this morning. He's here at Drive-In Church in Yucaipa, California. How would you begin to worship differently? And this morning, I encourage you to take those postures of worship that TAPS had given you and begin to Assume one of those postures. Might be hands up. It might be kneeling. It might be bowing down. We're going to sing a song. And I know you're in your cars and I know it might not be the place for you to kneel, but would you just take a second and begin to worship our creator as if he was physically on this stage, but knowing that that he is spiritually here with us. He is all around us. And so we worship him with that upward look, that inward look, and the outward look. Let's worship together.